The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. It is May 1st, 2022. This is Tom coming to you from the Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. The long-anticipated draft is in the rearview mirror, and now we have some answers to the questions and speculations that Steeler Nation has been posing for months you know, the draft results are always a fascinating window into the minds of the coaches and management and perhaps into the subterfuge practiced by its more wily veterans, which we'll get into. Again, we're going to dive into the Steeler selection, but first, a word from our sponsor. And our sponsor is ColorCast, which is a live, audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and easy to use. You can talk to podcasters, fans, athletes, and insiders in real time and connect and maybe make a few real relationships using what we love to talk about, which is sports. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app for free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Nick, so to get us started, I took a look at last year's uh, notes from last year's draft. And let me just remind you what you mainly said. But first, a fact. 2021 was the first draft since 1984 where we had four picks on offense. And you said that the number one goal was to revamp the run game, which they sort of did halfway. Mm -hmm. And it turns out to being... But you called it an arrogant draft. You said they doubled down on the incumbent O-line, mm-hmm. and they drafted a running back in the first round. Looking back now, how do you reflect on that? Um, not to pat myself on the back, but we can agree, right? It was one of the worst offensive lines in the league. They, they kind of thought, we'll just roll out Banner. We're going to start this rookie center who's 200 pounds, which we were excited about. I know we were excited about Kendrick Green, but uh, we did acknowledge it was an experimental pick. We're going to put out Chooks. We're going to put out all these guys who haven't done that well, and Ben's going to be back, and it's going to be okay. And it was not okay. <laughs> but you got two star cornerstone players in Najee Harris and Fryermuth, even if Najee, you know, may not be there as long as Fryermuth, just as a result of the running back position. So you, you got a lot out of the draft that you didn't expect. Well, it's interesting that this year the Steelers took five offensive players of their seven picks. Yeah. I don't think the story is that after 20, whatever. But you know what really is telling? And when you step back and look at this, the Steelers have let's two players returning from the 2020 offense. What? Deontay and Cheeks. (laughs) 2020. Right. So two years ago, only two guys that are still on the team or or, or going to be playing, at least starters, were here playing two years ago. Right. Two years ago? Yeah. This will be I was looking at year. snap counts. Yeah, I was looking you, at snap counts. Gotcha. Well, your bit, your your point is still correct. Th- they have completely flipped over 
the, the offense. And let's not bury the lead here. They drafted Kenny Pickett. They drafted George Pickens. We all know, you know, anybody who's listening to the podcast surely knows who they drafted. But the first th- thing I think about after this draft, it, it gets teed off perfectly by what you just pointed out. Like, it is officially a new era. And this, the offensive players in Pittsburgh, this is such an unbelievably fun group. And while we'll talk about what we think about the draft picks, you know, whatever, I pro- I haven't been this excited to watch a Steelers offense probably in like three or four years. You know, the year A.B. left, it was such a bummer, but you still had Ben uh, playing at a high level. You had Juju and, and other guys involved, so there was some excitement there. But I haven't been excited to watch an offense in a while, and I really like what the Steelers did in the draft in some places, and you look at – Pickett at quarterback, obviously, it's going to be an upgrade over what the Steelers have had for the past three years. Uh, you know, with Ben past his, well past his, you know, his prime, which is kind of weird because it was like, it was prime and then it was the end. <laughs> there was that injury and then it was over. There was no like ramp down. He was flying very high. So Ben passes prime, Duck and Mason, Duck can't even get past third string on a Canadian team, you're finally going to get a young athletic quarterback who's not even in his athletic prime yet. You get George Pickens in the draft, who everybody has said this ad nauseum. It's a 6'3", 4'4", freak who could end up being a a legit top 10 receiver in the league, if not better than that. I know that's that's crazy hype, but that's the type of player he is. That's the type of success he had as a freshman at Georgia. Pickens, Claypool, and Deontay. Holy crap, that's incredible. You also, you know, you have speed at the slot position. You have Najee, you have Fryermuth. They, they still, you know, didn't invest a ton in the offensive line, but obviously the free agency picks were a big deal. It just feels like they have weapons and youth and speed everywhere now, and it's really exciting. I hate to do this because it's hard to read to people, but I think maybe it's worth me just going through the list of um, acquisitions to kind of get it in everybody's head. You've already sure. rattled off the main ones. Kenny Pickett chose... Chosen um, in the first round, number 20. Uh-huh. George Pickens, wide receiver from... Georgia. Georgia. At 52. Uh, DeMarvin Leal, defensive end from Texas A&M. This may be... This is a classic wide receiver name to me. Calvin yes. Austin the third, wide receiver from Memphis. Connor Hayward, tight end-ish from Michigan State. We all know uh, we'll worthy. talk a little bit more about him and relation to the Steelers. Uh, this guy came out of nowhere. Mark Robinson, linebacker out of Old Miss. So much so that there is like virtually no data on this guy well, from all the pundits who were analyzing the draft. That's the yearly Steelers. Like, we're going to take a sixth or seventh round linebacker and just pray he can make a special teams play. Exactly. And then uh, Chris Oladukin, quarterback from South Dakota State. It's a good so that one. rounds out. And as I said, five of the seven. Selections are offensive players. So once again, the overarching theme is it's just impossible not to be excited. The the sheer amount of skill. There are four proven guys on the offense. Najee, Fryermuth, obviously Fryermuth just tip of the iceberg. I think Najee just the tip of the iceberg as well. Claypool, everyone gets mad at him. The guy's a freak. And oh my goodness, if they can put him in the slot, which is truly his real position. I know he looks like an outside receiver. He's not, but he's like a Debo Samuel-esque 
kind of slot guy, catch and run dude. They could put him in the slot. We know what freaking Chase Claypool can do. There's tons of flashes of it. And Deontay Johnson loving him as that number one option on the outside, but now finally having someone that's explosive in George Pickens, who to me, it's a, it's as close to a guarantee as possible that this guy's a great player. The off-the-field, quote-unquote, concerns are not that bad. He got into some awesome fights on the field. It's phenomenal. He grabbed a guy by a face mask and, and shoved his head into the end zone wall. It's awesome. I think that'll do just fine in Pittsburgh. But it's not like he's this crazy head case who's always getting suspended or whatever. He's, he feels like close to a guarantee. So you look at these guys – some of them are proven, and the other ones you feel really good about. Obviously, Kenny Pickett being like a, a, a mature type of quarterback, maybe not quite as pro-ready as some people claim to be, uh, whereas even – it's funny. It's like Ritter was actually the one of those quarterbacks who went through the, through the reads a little bit more. But Kenny Pickett has a ton of playing experience and a ton of composure where you do feel like, yeah, he could, he could step in there and, and they could get going. So it's so exciting uh, just to have that – that young blood, and especially since a lot of it, like I said, kind of ad nauseum here, is proven. Like, you know some of these guys are good, and you got to feel good about the rest of them as well. Well, it's funny that this seems to be lining up in a way that you wanted. You wanted Chase Claypool in the slot. You've been talking yes. about it. And Pickens and Austin, neither one of those guys uh, seem to be slot-ready guys. Well, Austin, uh, Austin's going to be that guy for the Steelers. He's going to be the slot guy. He played some outside in college. But the reports on him, he's extremely fast, but he's super shifty, great little route runner, and he's going to be – I mean, he's a small guy. That, that spells slot in the NFL. So will he be there day one? I doubt it. It's sort of – but like week eight, that seems like the Steelers' um, formula of the past couple of receivers. Martavis, week eight. Juju, week eight. Um, and I'm not saying that Calvin Austin will get plugged in there because those three guys above him are such big playmakers, but he is the true sort of slot receiver that they have on the roster. Um, I think Alex Kazora made a good point. The Steelers have been going with the big slot over the past few years with Juju. Uh, this guy's a little bit more traditional um, in terms of like the jitterbug type of role because he's, he's incredible with the jukes and with the ball in his hand. So it, it's crazy the, the variety of players that they have too. They did an amazing job. Well, it's kind of crazy how the um, the Steelers have ridden this roller coaster. I mean, we just the wide receivers come and they go. I mean, we we thought we were stacked two years ago, and all of a sudden the the cupboard was nearing being bare. Yeah. And we're now we're worried about Deontay with our heat. We're going to be able to hang on to him or not? I mean, I'm maybe I'm projecting a little too far in right. the future, but he's he's due to get paid next year, right? And if and depending on how good George Pickens is, they won't care. We do not care. They let. Mike Wallace go and uh, Santonio Holmes go and, and they traded Antonio Brown. Like that's their formula. And, and that to me, I'll tell you again later why it was a little bit of an arrogant draft. Once again, um, the Steelers interesting. There's such an interesting uh, combination from Mike Tomlin between talking about not playing scared, but then constantly playing scared in a lot of ways. Um, but the receiver is the opposite. That's, sort of earned arrogance. He said in the offseason when they let Ray Ray and Washington and Juju go, some, some Tomlinism about we're comfortable with the acquisition of players at that position. And immediately he gets two guys where you think, oh, those guys have 
they have a lot more physical talent than the than the guys who just left. So they can really back that up. It's amazing how they refreshed that room and, and had no problem letting three guys go in one offseason and then picking up two guys who, yes, they're rookies. They haven't stepped foot on the field. But their physical talents are greater than the three guys who left already. Amazing. Aren't you worried? But aren't you worried about um, Calvin Austin, though? He's, what is he, 5'7"? Nah, he's 5'8", and look, you can't touch these guys oh, anymore. He's 5'8". The, the game has changed. Game is different. That's a, that'll go into my Kenny Pickett sort of analysis as well. We're like, it's just so set up to make sure receivers and quarterbacks get two, three, four, five chances at every play. You know, that, that's what sells. That's what people are watching. The NFL is absolutely demolishing every other league, and they're watching. Like, the NFL draft destroyed, like, March Madness numbers, and they know what they're doing. And it's offense, and you can't hit guys anymore. You can't hit quarterbacks. You can't take off short guys' heads in the middle. They're, they're going to be just fine. You know what? I actually thought Gunner's job was in jeopardy with uh, bringing on Calvin Austin, but really, he Maybe. he only returned like twenty punts in his junior year, so it doesn't. Right. I don't know whether the Steelers are looking at him for that. I mean, he has obviously has experience, but not as much as I would have thought with his four three two forty yard yeah. dash time. Yeah, they'll let him compete there, so that'd be interesting. But do you want to go down the list and just kind of talk? about each pick or do you have any other large thoughts or you want to talk about how absolutely terrifying the Ravens draft was where I'm pretty sure they got like four Hall of Famers in one draft and uh, lost their quote-unquote best receiver like oh no what are we going to do without the 30th best receiver in the league (laughs) Hollywood Brown no let's let's go through the list let's let's start with number one Kenny Pickett and I think uh, the audience ought to know we had a very rare uh, open and very heated and frankly painful altercation this week yeah well i definitely talking about the the yeah, selection yeah I'm, I'm scared to talk about kenny pickett before everybody bites my head off but uh look so i would just want to be very brief about this here's my my overall statement on kenny pickett we talked about him in the draft class i disagree with the pick and i think i have very legitimate reasons for that that are shared by a tremendous amount of people even more knowledgeable than I am. I don't want to say even more knowledgeable, just more knowledgeable than I am as well. So I think I have reasons for not liking the pick. Uh, But I'm still excited about him being on the Steelers. And that's because I don't think he's a bum. I do view him as kind of like an Andy Dalton-level quarterback, Uh, Joe Flacco, which people in the audience, they're going to, people listening to this are probably going to get furious about that because we spent years making fun of those quarterbacks because they're rival quarterbacks. But those are 10 year starters. One of those guys is a Super Bowl champion, but they're sort of league average due to their physical talent and, and stuff like that. So that's pretty damn good. Like, so I've never thought that he's a bum or anything like that. And I definitely know this he's going to, he is much more exciting than what the Steelers have had for the past three or four years. And I, there's some projection here, but I would be very surprised if that wasn't true. Like if, you know, this year he's going to be a rookie, maybe by the end of the year, but definitely by next year. And with this cast of characters, you have a better quarterback than what you've had for the past three or four years. Of course, the pit thing is awesome. Like, so there's a lot to like about it. So I don't like the pick and we can get into that briefly. I don't want to, I'm trying to beat this habit out of, you know, whatever, being negative. I think a lot of, uh, I think our friend Mark on Twitter pointed that out. He said, I'm not listening to the show as much because of the negativity. 
totally legitimate claim. There's shows that I don't listen to as much because of the negativity. Um, so just trying to balance uh, between that and um, and like my motivation for watching the games. I think you know I grew up the Steelers win the Super Bowl or they're in the Super Bowl like every other year. So to me, always watching football is generated around are they going to have a chance at the Super Bowl or not? Um, and now I'm focusing a little bit more on like, is it fun to watch? And I think that the past three years have made me more grateful for that because the Steelers have been so boring to watch over the last three years. Yeah, so I'm I'm very hopeful for Kenny Pickett. I'm, I tried to uh, – well, I did. I went and compared his college not, – not that this matters. I get yeah. it. I compared him and Mason and Trubisky's number, college numbers. I mean, Mason leads that pack. What I like about Pickett, I'm not as nuts about his hair as you are, but okay, I guess everybody's branding themselves. But he had five years, and you might say, you know, the Steelers like a, an underclassman. He's had five years, and maybe Six. we have seen his upside. Huh? Six years, I believe. Had six years, college, I guess the COVID yeah. year. Uh, that's great. That's like a premium young guy, yeah. and some some of them but have that's done COVID well too. That's like COVID but here's transfer. but here's yeah. So I guess my uh, uh, without rambling anymore, I think that a guy that you described, you know, the um, Red Rifle or Flacco, Joe Flacco, Smith, good given the given the weapons, and the only weapon we we do not know whether we have yet is an offensive line. You have a running back, you have a tight end, and you have wide receivers. And hopefully Pickett works, works according to the projection. Yeah. I mean, you could have some wicked weapons that a you know a guy, a B, yeah, B minus guy can take advantage of. Definitely, yeah, and, and I and I hundred percent believe that. And I guess my theory revolves around, and we'll talk about what he does well in a second here, and we'll talk about what he does poorly, but that's what he's like uh, going to be most likely. And that, to me, I, like I said, I think people will take that as an insult when you really have to be like, I know we all make fun of Andy Dalton, but like Andy Dalton was pretty good in those eras. And they probably would have made an AFC championship game if he wasn't hurt in that, that one year where the Steelers had the crazy uh, playoff game with the Pac-Man Jones incident. Like, they were awesome that year. And they would have had a chance to win the Super Bowl that year with Andy Dalton, who was playing well because they had an awesome team. And I guess right now... I just think that the way the rules have gone, it's made it so difficult to have that type of team. Like, decent quarterback, great defense and skill positions, and you can win the Super Bowl that way. Now, those people are constantly getting to the championship. Blake Bortles' team with the Jaguars. Case Keenum with the Vikings the same year. Jimmy Garoppolo has almost gotten to the Super Bowl a few times. But then you see when Jimmy Garoppolo and Jared Goff get to the Super Bowl and they ended up losing to the Patrick Mahomes and Matt Staffords or whatever of the world. And I guess that's why I thought it was a little arrogant to be like, okay, you're taking a guy. I know people are going to get really mad about this, but if you just take off your Pittsburgh glasses for a second – like, you're guaranteed to have the worst quarterback in the division for, for a while because the other quarterbacks are so freaking good. Burrow, Watson, those are MVP-type guys, <laughs> and the other one is an MVP, right? And then you talk about, like, oh, the Steelers supporting cast. Well, look at the Bengals cast. But let me just wind that back. Here's the thing. Like, here's what I like about Kenny Pickett because there's a lot I like about him. The – 
he does have that factor of where he just behaves like a quarterback. And I hate when people talk in intangibles like that because it really doesn't matter. Like, there, you meet any backup quarterback in the NFL, like Blaine Gabbert. You even meet Alex Smith, and it's like, wow, that's a quarterback. Like, those guys, they feel like it. But it, it what's more important, even if you're socially awkward, like Kyler Murray or Deshaun Watson, it's like, well, they're just they're more talented. And that is the world. I know that ESPN wants to peddle the narratives like, Tom Brady has no talent. That's not true. It just sells better, right? Because maybe it could be you. <laughs> but I do think that there is value in that. And Kenny Pickett seems to me in every pick game I watched and in interviews and the way he carries himself, he's composed. And the way I said when, when uh, Trubisky came in, I'm like, this is, this is a beta male. Like, this can't be the quarterback. Mason Rudolph, you know my one rule of quarterbacking. You get hit in the skull with your own helmet, you are disqualified from being my quarterback. It can't happen. Well, now you got a guy with beautiful flowing hair, which is very natural. I don't know why you have a problem with it. And just comfortable. And that's a, like, this is a guy who can lead men. You saw him in his press conferences. Yeah, he's 40, but you, no. You, like, this is a guy who has composure and leadership abilities. His arm is going to be one of the worst arms of the starting quarterbacks, but still a decent arm. That's why I say like the Andy Dalton thing, like definitely good enough to be a starter, a lot better than Mason Rudolph's probably not better than Mitch Trubisky's, but he plays the position a lot more naturally than Mitch Trubisky does. He is very slippery. We love that. Okay. Thank goodness. There's some mobility at the quarterback position for the first time in a while. That's really valuable. And just going back to that confidence in the way he carries himself, it shows in the way he plays where he, he, he's poised. Now, that's also going to be his number one worst ca- category. He plays the quarterback position very sloppy and, lo- and needs to bail. He bails out of the pocket constantly, right? So that sort of flies in the face of poise. But I don't think that's because he's scared. I think that's because it's just sort of like a playing crutch. But this is the kind of guy, and he's cool, <laughs> where I think these skill position players will be able to rally around him. So we finally got a guy who's going to be able to move around, be poised, throw the ball downfield a little bit intermediately. Um, and he went to freaking pit. And how can you not like that? Especially after you watch the video of him crying with his family, and how hyped his dad was. Who's a he's a beefy man. Oh, you seen that dude? Yeah, yeah. I'd love to hug that guy. He's just a yeah. You're right. He's, he's smooth. Like I like how smooth he him? was. We said that on 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 the the, the dad breakdown. The dad is so no smooth. No one hugged the dad. You know, he dapped up his buddy on the side. Like all right, I thought you're kind of old white guy, old too. Like he was chest bump thing. Like oh no, he dapped him up. He's cool. No, Kenny Pickett's. I, I think I said this in the draft breakdown of him. That was the first thing I noticed. Like, oh, wow, he's, he's very sudden and very smooth and snake-like. And his, the best-case scenario for him is like, look, the best – let's look at what he has. He's a decent scrambler, uh, kind of like everybody is now, right? Um, and he has a decent arm. So how many quarterbacks can be elite quarterbacks when you don't have any elite physical traits? Because like I said, there are, no, there are almost no examples of that like throughout history. It, it, like, I know it seems like a nice story to say it's intangibles, but there are a few. And the first two that come to my mind are Joe Burrow and Tony Romo. Good arms, just like Kenny Pickett. It's not like Kenny Pickett has bad arms. Good arms, but very slippery. They're snakes of men. And that 
is who Kenny Pickett needs to model his game after. Mac Jones is another one. We don't know how good he is yet, but so far so good. Where it's like the arm's good, not great. The mobility's good, not great. But oh my goodness, he can process and play from the pocket. So the thing Kenny needs to do, and I'm really excited because there was just a video that came out of him talking to somebody where he says, I watch a lot of Joe Burrow film and I'm trying to model my game after him. Um, and I know people say like, oh, he is like him. It's like, no, no, he's, he's not like him. I know we want him to be like that. But here's the biggest difference. Joe Burrow's greatest strength is his unbelievable pocket ability. It's like Tom Brady, Dan Marino, and then late career Ben. Because early career Ben used to like to break the pocket, right? It's Joe Burrow and Mac Jones when there's a ton of people around them and they're breathing down on them and they're falling at their ankles and their knees and they're swiping at them. They don't care. We do not They step care. up in the pocket, they stay in that zone, and they fire the ball downfield. Whereas Kenny bails out and it, to it, it, an extreme amount to the right, always to the right, to the right, to the right. The Steelers know that. I'm sure he knows that. Hopefully they can work on that. If Kenny can learn how to stay inside the pocket, then I do think he has a lot of qualities that uh, Tony Romo and Joe Burrow have. Do you know that uh, Kenny is tied – with Drake London at odds of 13 to 2 for Offensive Player of the Year. Offensive Rookie of the Year. Rookie, rookie yeah, of the Year. No chance of that, the other one. Uh, oh, well, he could be Player of the Year if the Steelers let's go. If we go 17 and 0. Yeah, they could. What was, ben, what was, what was record one Ben took over that ben year? Ben won, what, like 13 in a row? Something like that? Yeah. Um, so the standard is the standard, as you know. And, it, and by the way, in a different era. It's, it's rules, you guys, because I feel like what happens with Kenny Pickett is. People spout these football cliches that are just out of date. And it's like, I wish that you could still hit people, but you're not allowed to anymore. So it's harder to do what they did with Ben when you're able to move a guy along like that. But they're going to try to do what they did with Ben in a modern way where it's like, we're not going to ask you to carry us. We're going to ask you to throw a bunch of short passes to these guys who can run and then hit designed long passes when they come about. And I definitely think he can do that. But that's, All right, I think we covered. Yeah, we, we covered. Yeah, I don't want to keep going about him. So that's my thing. I think he has talent. I think oh. he's a starting quarterback. Um, and then I'm just I'm conflicted because I see what the Steelers see. They're like, we're going to get this decent guy who's got the great demeanor for the position. He's He checks the boxes for the talent, even if they're not, like, awesome. We're not going to be scared about Deshaun and the, what Mahomes and Allen have done in the playoffs and what happens when Stafford – like. We know that there's this quarterback revolution. We're not going to be scared of that. We're going to go old school. We're going to get a guy who's good, middle of the pack. And just for anybody out there who's saying, you never know. Like, you do know. Like, what are the other examples of people just randomly becoming the best player ever unless they were at, like, a really terrible school like Josh Allen? And if you watch Josh Allen's film, like, he was doing Josh Allen things. So, like, this, that's what the CEO is saying. He might be middle of the pack, but he's going to be good. And our team's going to be unreal because we already have a sweet roster, and now we have a ton of extra money to spend with this quarterback on the rookie deal. And I guess why I was upset about it is I was like, well, if Kyle Shanahan and, and McVay couldn't do it, I don't know why the Steelers think they could, but I don't know, man. Like, it, Kenny Pickett, upgrade at quarterback from what they've had, and it, there's a lot of talent around him. And I'm just excited to watch him play because he's kind of like – he's a fun watch. He's cool. I don't want to play this card too early, but I don't know if people are going to wait around until we talk about the seventh pick, sure. which was a quarterback. But you know that everybody's talking about this is the first time the Steelers took two quarterbacks in a draft since 1968. Neither guy uh, I could find any information on, by the way. But guess what happened in 1966? 
four quarterbacks were chosen. Wow. Rounds 13, 17, 18, 19, and 142. I didn't even know there was that many quarterbacks playing like in that era. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, we had guys. multiple. There were four other cases of us drafting court, two quarterbacks in a uh, single draft. By the way, 1957, Hall of Famer Len Dawson, we got our mitts on. Yeah. And everybody knows that we let uh, Johnny nice. U go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, we don't need to nice belabor job. the whole Dan Marino thing. You know, it's like, come on, Dan Marino's. You watch his film now, you'll you'll be sure. Just go watch YouTube of Dan Marino. You'll be like, oh my gosh, he could be the best quarterback in the league today, including Mahomes. But okay, how did you feel about that Kenny Pickett? Was that was that accurate? I've been nervous yeah. for the Kenny Pickett se- uh, section since we took him because people are look like I have the tendency to get too upset about it because my my thought is like, wow, you. Look at the quarterbacks in your division, and you went with the low ceiling guy. I can't believe you do that. I understand it in a past era, but it doesn't work now because the rules have changed. And then, you know, a couple days go by, and I'm sort of like, well, I don't don't even, like, care. I'm just so excited to see him with the guy. Like, after they got Pickens, it really started being like, well, this is kind of a cool offense. I think Caballi made a really good point that the Steelers – don't have time for Malik Willis to develop. They are in Super Bowl mode. No matter what you think and whether we have the talent or not, yeah. they want to go today. And yeah, obviously the Steelers agree that Kenny Pickett is a, is a NFL-ready guy. They I mean, love him. They That's kind of have cool. seen him, mm-hmm. and maybe they've talked themselves into it. Who knows? I feel that they're – I want to give them more credit for that. I, I think they you know, they, they chose him number one. So I, I think they put a lot of thought into this, and they think it gives us the best chance next year. I, I have something. I have something on that. Sorry, just not to. I mean, but the Steelers just drafted a quarter like Ben Roethlisberger's successor. This is kind of a big deal. Um, Jay Glazer, who is super plugged in to the NFL, and will not hesitate to let everybody know that on every podcast he's on. That's my best friend. I'm just texting him right now from the Saints, and they told me, and they told me these things because they trust me because I built that trust. Uh, but he is plugged in, and he said the Steelers were waffling a lot between Kenny and Malik. Uh, but they loved them both. Um, they said after the combine, Malik was the guy. And then they kind of came back to Kenny, who they, they had always liked. So I can definitely see that. And by the way, I'm not upset that they passed on Malik. I'm definitely on this moment. How could you pass on Malik Willis? You mean the more you watch him, it is shocking how raw he is. And so, like, he doesn't read. He doesn't read defenses. He is the way bigger culprit of bailing out of the pocket. And I get the risk there. I just, you know, with Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson locked in for a long time, and I would assume Lamar, you know, I could see that relationship souring, especially with the contract stuff. But with those type of guys in the division, you got Zach Wilson, like the level of talent where when you look at the physical talent of the quarterbacks, and please, everybody, don't get mad here, you list them out. Kenny Pickett's probably 14 out of 16 in terms of, of physical talent in, in the, uh, in the um, AFC. Because you also got guys like Mac Jones who's like, well, this is one of the best field-reading quarterbacks who's come out in years, and his ability to play from the pocket is, is something that Kenny doesn't have, although Kenny's bigger and faster and probably a little bit stronger arm. So that made me a that, – that's why it was, it was hard to swallow at first – um, and then my thought of that, you can't use that old formula of like, we just have a great team. It just sort of seems like the way that Goodell wants this thing to run is like, we want Mahomes and Allen in, in, this, in the championship. But then, you know, a couple of days go by and I am sitting there thinking like, what, so you, uh, you just going to wait? Like, you don't know if you can get Mahomes and, 
and Allen, and you're just not going to take a quarterback and until one of those guys comes along? Like, next year when the quarterback class is significantly better, like, are you going to be able to beat the Lions and these other crappy teams? Like, you're, you have no chance at getting the first couple because they always go one and two, and you're not going to be able to trade up into that. So then, then where are you at? Why don't you take this guy who you think is pretty good and – he still still does have some upside if he can learn how to play the position right. So I came around to it more, and my final thesis with him was like I said, like I don't totally agree with it. Also because I'm like, is he? I mean, how much better is he than Mitch Trubisky? Remains to be seen. I I I do like him a lot more because I've always thought Mitch Trubisky is a very awkward athlete, and I don't like that. But they're close. Like their physical talent's really close, and at that point, you're sort of like, well. If you want to do the win with an okay quarterback thing, then why don't you just do it with Trubisky and take another guy? But I do actually like Kenny Pickett a lot more. So that's just my thought process coming around to it. I just don't want to hear anybody who, like, doesn't watch critically being like, but he could be the best guy in the league. Like, this, that, like, you never know. It's like, what are you talking about? You never know. Like, then what are we even? Okay. I'll stop there. I'm pumped to see him play. I'm a Pickett fan. The end. Okay, good. I think we devoted enough time to Ben's successor and future Hall of Fame quarterback, Kenny Pickett. Okay, let's, let's move on to, speak of Pickett down to Pickens. Now, you've already kind of peeled back the curtain on George Pickens from Georgia. He is a 6'3", 195-pounder. He spent most of, the, most of last year on the bench with uh, an ACL. Impressively though, he did, impressively, though, he did come back near the end of the season to take Georgia into uh, through, through the playoffs. Well, so. Yeah, he played in the championship, had like a 52-yard grab. This is like a Martavis Bryant situation again, except for even better, where everybody knew about Martavis. He had some field concerns. And then he goes to the Steelers, and everyone said, why the hell did we let this happen? This is more than Claypool due to his coordination, Pickens, more than Deontay due to his physical talent. This is a legitimate potential superstar receiver. This is a 6'3", 4'4", guy with unbelievable coordination. Un- he's the kind of guy when he – like there are clips of him. He does the thing where he catch it. He runs an unbelievable route. He's still working on his route running, but oh my gosh, he has some incredible ones. 6'3", unbelievable route, makes the catch, spins out of the tackle in th- that like dramatic spin where you switch the ball into your outside hand and then you're falling, so you use your right hand to, like, tap the ground and keep yourself up while you palm the ball with your left hand and and somehow get yourself in the end zone. Like, elite coordination mixed with elite size and speed, absolutely dominant as a freshman at Georgia, playing nothing but NFL cornerbacks, playing with NFL quarterbacks. This guy, like, it's just unbelievable how scared – NFL teams get when a guy has an injury, which he's already over, and he's fought a couple people on the field. No major, no like real bad boy incidents off the field. It's, I understand why people didn't take him in the first round because what, like six receivers went in the first round? There's so many good receivers now that you might as well take some of these other guys who are just sort of like sort of guarantees. But uh, everybody said this over the offseason, and it's blatantly true when you watch the guy's film. Like, he could definitely be the best receiver in this class, no doubt. His, his downfield receiver coordination is better than Burks. His size and speed is, you know, his, his, his build is better than the two Ohio State guys. He's 10 times faster than Drake London, the guy from USC. He's much more fluid than Christian Watkins, the beast from South Dakota State. Like, I can't believe the NFL let the Steelers get this guy. And I also wasn't shocked at all since we heard all summer or all offseason. 
Steelers won Pickens. Steelers won Pickens. Steelers won Pickens. And when you saw it come across, it it's just it was like when they drafted Devin Bush a little bit, and let's hope that it doesn't end up the same way. But when you just like ah, it just feels like they're gonna get this guy, and they got their guy. And oh my gosh, I I haven't been this excited about a pick in a long time. You know he does. Uh, there were rumors, but off the field problems, which which turn out to be rumors, and um, I'm not sure that there's anything to that. Do you think that that scared so them off? So what were they again? The ACL? That, like, he, he picked on kids or something like that, or I don't even know. I was sort of relying on you because it, it seemed like a big nothing burger to me. That's what I see and, more and but more. But if it kept, and, yeah, and, and Kazora has reported, you know, a lot of it's just like fights he gets on the field, which is awesome. Yeah, that's yeah, and and yes, no argument there. Um, I guess the ACL just worry people. Can you believe but the fact they came back, back, I mean, they just didn't want to spend the, the draft capital on him, I guess. So good for us. One other good factor that I, I just going through his college stats, two drops in his three years. His hands are amazing. He catches the ball away from his body. He snatches it out of the air. He's got the Spider-Man hands. He catches like Odell where you just snatch it out of the air. I don't even think his hands are actually technically that big, but he's a snatcher. No. He, they're Kenny Pickett size. Yeah. Literally, yeah, they're like the same eight size, and three right? quarters. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, but he gets, but the gloves help you with the catching too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess with the Kenny Pickett thing, like I don't really care about the the like I don't love it. It's just another sign of like, I'm telling you, he's just not the most physically talented guy, but he passes the bar. That's why I talk about Dalton and uh, and Alex Smith. But by the way, just back to the Andy Dalton thing, like the personality is a, is an upgrade over the Dalton. So that's why Alex Smith is a good combination. But uh, just I feel we didn't talk about the hands thing. How many freaking passes do you need to see the guy throw? He's good to go. He played at Pittsburgh. We're fine. So Pickens, small hands, also doesn't matter. We got we got the tiny hands brigade this year. And how awesome is that? The well, Pickets to Pickens. Oh geez, yeah, what is be it? Great. Pickett to Pickens. That's spectacular. What I really want to see is Pickens to Pickett. I think that'll happen at some. I point. I want to see a little Matt Canada offense unveiling oh, a little rounds. As, as Derek said, our buddy Derek on Twitter said, Matt Canada has. No excuses now. The Steelers have spent a historic amount of capital and free agency money on offense. You have every type of receiver. Oh, the, damn it, they didn't get a running back. We haven't talked about that yet. That scares me to death. They need to find a way to get a running back. They signed a guy who's a, who's a beast from, I think, Oklahoma State. He's, actually, his tape's pretty dope, but you know, we'll see. So the first defensive player chosen by the Steelers in this draft, the Marvin Leal from Texas A&M. Uh, I guess he's kind of a – he plays multi – I guess he's more of a D-end. Yeah, he's a he's tweener. He's a 3-4 D-end is what they're hoping they can make him into. So he was like kind of an edge rusher. You know, he's not athletic enough to be an edge rusher, but he's a little too small to be a defensive lineman. But people are saying if he gets 10 to 15 pounds, he'll be great for that defensive – you know, Cam Hayward, Stephon Tuitt, uh, Wormley, 3-4 – uh, defensive end position and to me 10 to 15 pounds <laughs> it's a guarantee right i love this pick i'll say this with the caveat we predicted it we were prepared for it it is crazy that everybody knows the number one problem except for this other one that we'll mention the number one problem for the steelers over the past three years is they have one of the worst offensive lines in the entire league and they go two drafts in a row 
without spending like major capital. I know they got Kendrick Green in the third, but that year it was a, it was in disaster mode. You thought a first or second pick on O-line was guaranteed, and they just go two drafts in a row, and they don't take them. And they have periods in their history where they do this. Like, remember when they got Marquise Pouncey? The thought was, oh, thank God, they finally drafted an offensive lineman. He was spectacular his rookie year, gets hurt before the Super Bowl. Then they, they still suck, and they're like, okay, well, fine, we'll get David DeCastro, and then they get the best line they had since, like, the 70s, right? So I will say I understand why people might be bummed that they didn't take an offensive lineman there. Um... I'm not because I think the two offensive linemen they signed in free agency sort of take that place, and and I understand that they're gonna they're gonna think that's gonna raise the play of of Chooks, who hasn't been bad. Um, it's just interesting to see that they didn't take offensive line, but let's rewind to the defensive line. I love getting ahead of this. This guy has major ceiling, he has pass rush potential, and you just look the clock is ticking on 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 Cam Hayward, which by the way is another reason why they took Kenny Pickett. They're like, look, we're we got Cam Hayward and T.J. Watt and their primes here. We need to take advantage of this. Because I've been saying, and this backs up why you wouldn't take a Malik, like maybe by the time those guys, that guy develops, oh, crap, well, Cam Hayward's retired. Stephon Tuitt's probably not on the team. Alu Alu's gone. And we've been thinking we have this great defensive line. And, oh, my gosh, we have no one in the pipeline except for these sort of rotational players like Loudermilk. Well, now they've gotten ahead of that curve by taking a potential guy. I'm pretty psyched about it. Do you think that this selection and where it was made, the third round to Marvin Leal, speaks to the status of Stefan Tuitt at all? I mean, is this no. – was a D-line a greater need than quarterback and wide receiver? Or do you think this is what you would have predicted? I think with quarterback, it, it, it's, it's the obvious answer. Nothing's more important than quarterback. Um, and But for the reasons we've, we've talked about, the, the thin pool of quarterbacks – the fact the Steelers were choosing 20 and didn't really work their way up the ladder, yeah. uh, maybe because it was a thin pool, but yet they did choose the quarterback. I, I'm not sure how to read that. And more, I'm, the, the question I'm asking is, is Stefan Tuitt coming back? Because they didn't get a guy who's going to dominate. It doesn't appear to be able to dominate out of the gate. I don't. I truly this guy's don't think need it matters. Some seasoning. I, I think that they've made a lot of moves based on like. We will see what sort of happens. They were, that's why they were so excited that they didn't have to trade for Kenny Pickett because I guess there were rumors of them going with the Texans or something like that, um, and they didn't have to. And even Tomlin acknowledged, we are so psyched we didn't have to trade up. I had been saying the whole offseason, like I think they'll probably – or not the whole offseason, the past few weeks. I think what's going to happen is the Steelers are probably going to um, – are probably going to trade up to like 15. It's like the Mac Jones spot. Um and they were really psyched that they didn't have to to do that. So I think that that's why their plan is sort of flexible. In terms of D-line, yeah, you're getting ahead of it a little bit, but I think their thought process is like, we're losing these guys within a year. We're losing to it or Alu-Alu within a year anyways. We need to replenish that defensive line if we want a good team. We're spending a ton of resources on offense. We just got another middle – like. I think it's just based on availability. I love the move personally. I don't. I think if they have to it, they'll be like, "Hell yeah, we have two defensive lines." If they don't have to, to it, they'll be like, "Well, thank God we got another guy in there." Check out the link I just sent you in the chat. It uh, shows a picture of Demarvin Leal. Doesn't it kind of remind you of Marquise Pouncey? Let's see. No. I hope that Leal turns out to be high, this Highsmith pick. You know, coming out of Charlotte, and I was like, "Who?" and we could do no well, better than DeMarvin North Carolina Nails, Charlotte. Uh, was very highly regarded, actually, before. I think he kind of slipped a little bit. But 
over the past few years, he was actually a little bit more of like a, not a golden boy, but he had a lot more hype, whereas uh, Highsmith sort of cumulatively, uh, through that cumulative body of work, appeared from like a small school. This this guy was at, uh, but, you know, I guess there wasn't a ton of a, a, attention on him by the Steelers. They didn't send the house to go see him or whatever. But I love that pick. I've been worried about this defensive line thing for a few years because obviously we see how much Cam Hayward covers up for. I mentioned the Steelers had these two massive problems, right, the offensive line. The other one is you guys do remember that they gave up 200 rush yards a game, right? Like I feel like – and Pat, I was talking to Pat on the phone. He described it perfectly, and th- he said this is how I think of it. And what his answer echoes what I think about Steelers fans. is like I hear that stat, and I just think, no, it's the Steelers. That can't be true. And I think that's how the Steelers fans think of it, too. Like, it's black and gold. It's just like we have a good defense. What do you mean? It was 200 rush so yards a game. It's really bad. And Well, Cam that's Hayward, why I'm asking why we waited. Go ahead. Sorry. Cam Hayward, that's why we're saying that's the other reason why people think the defense is good is because you have Cam, Minka, and TJ. So you have a couple, like, superstar big names. And Cam covers up for so much. And by the way, like I'm not confident that Alu Alu and Tuit are going to get through the year. It's two, three years in a row where they haven't made it through the year. So I've been worried about this defensive line thing because y- you know you need five or six guys, and especially with how much Cam does just single-handedly. I'm so pumped that they made this pick when they did. It, it, again, I use this, co- this comparison a lot, but when they drafted Juju in the second round when they still had Martavis and A.B., some people could say, well, that's not a need. But it was just this undeniable, oh, my gosh, how did this guy fall all the way to us? And we might be losing A.B. or, or Martavis. So it really reminds me of it in that way. And th- it's a value thing, right? So that was really exciting. We spent a lot of time already on the best wide receiver name in all of NFL, Kelvin Austin the third. Do you know who announced his pick? Yeah, I do. But he didn't say his position. <laughs> so he was in Mexico. So Najee which, Harris. Which look for, oh, huh? oh, oh no, no, you're right. It was Najee who did that one. It was uh, Chase in Mexico Claypool with a with a Steeler with a. Okay, so I'm looking at Najee in Mexico <laughs> with a Steeler poncho, yeah. and he's just entertaining the crowd. It was great. He's like impervious so again, to any like political correctness. You could like it's a bright spot in the world world where you could tell like, dude, he's from like Oakland. Like, what do you want? He's clearly being a nice guy and just making everybody happy around him <laughs> but he does all that he's yeah Najee puts a smile on your face all right uh, I think we, is there anything else you want to say about Calvin Austin I think we kind of covered it he could potentially be out of the gate uh special teams returner maybe a slot guy we'll see how he how he turns out I mean the 4-3 speed translates into hopefully productivity early He's another one where it's like you can't find a bad word about him. When you read all these draft profiles, you think, like, well, you, you, it sounds like everyone's talking about like a first or second round guy. And a lot of people really had him more as like a third round type dude. So all these these players, according to people's boards, and, and, and you know, if you're out there, all respects, you're like, what do boards mean? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, they mean a lot. Like, the, the, it's not like we have no idea how good or bad a player is. So many people are focused on narrative. That's why Tua and Trevor Lawrence get propped up, or like, you know, Tom. You know, Tom Brady's a bad example because obviously he's so unbelievable. But sometimes they give him 100% of the credit for Super Bowls when it's like, but the the defense held the number eight scoring offense in the 
history of the NFL to three points in, in the second half of the Super Bowl, like, they had a part of that too, right? No, that's too nuanced. Like, we can tell if players are good or not. Now, do they pan out? That's based on a million other things. Who's your quarterback? Who's your support system? Look at Justin Fields right now in, in Chicago. They refuse to draft players to go around him. If he's a bust, then that's what he is. He's a bust. What? They didn't draft? He was supposed to be good with no players around? You know, so it's situational. So just getting back to why I'm talking about that, Calvin Austin, besides his numbers, like this is a very talented guy. So it just seemed that one seems to me more like the classic Steelers pick, like Emmanuel Sanders or whatever. Like, oh, how do they get that guy in the third round? He's short. That's why he fell. Um, uh, Deontay Johnson went to Toledo. That's why he fell. George Pickens punches people in the helmet. That's why he fell. This these guys are really talented, and the cliche is you know build a basketball team with your receiving core. Now you got guys who do a little bit of everything. So. It is very exciting, and I'm so glad they spent this type of capital on receiver. And James Washington was my least favorite receiver pick of the past few years. I was pretty vocal about that, even though I think he's a good player. Like, he made a lot of great plays downfield, and then everybody, you know, sees him score these touchdowns, and you're like, why isn't he getting the ball? And part of that's because of the way the NFL films games. It's like you realize there's a lot of plays where he he can't get off the press coverage. Like, he's not getting open. He's not doing the first part. But, like, obviously, James Washington, pretty good. Hated the fact that they took a slow, deep threat, and it seemed very anti-Steelers. After Marcus Wheaton and Sammy Coates and A.B. and all these guys who have more physical talent, they took two guys with great physical talent here, and they realized how badly they needed a dude with legit speed, and so they got him, which is pretty cool. So one last little one pro, one con. Well, one pro is that he might fit really well into the Matt Canada offense using his speed and sweeps. He did have a tendency to drop the ball quite a bit, though, which we're tired of seeing. Steelers also love that. If you're 4-3, yeah, right. we need you to drop the ball one out of every three times. Martavis, Coates, uh, uh, what's his name, Wallace. And those guys are different players. Those are outside guys. Like, just get on the outside and run straight. Deontay. Deontay is not as fast as those guys. Deontay oh. is a shifty guy. So I'm talking about the his drops, don't, his drops aren't as important. Okay. Yeah. Th- these well, guys, move. I compare them. These are the, the Steelers always have to have a Luis Mendoza who's the guy from Mighty Ducks, who's the fastest skater by far, but he can't stop, and he's not coordinated. But he's so fast that he always comes up in the big games. The Steelers in round six. What did I say? Round six have chosen the fourth brother, have created the fourth brother combination on the team with the selection of Connor Hayward, tight end, fullback out of Michigan State. So now we have... We have the Hayward brothers. We have the Watt brothers. We have the Edmonds brothers. And can you guess the fourth group? I, I can never remember the fourth group. Davis, Carlos, and Khalil Davis. Right. That's pretty great. You have to. That's because they basically are on the same team for like a nanosecond at the same time right. at any point yeah, in the we'll year. Yeah, we'll take it. You have to enjoy this kind of stuff. This is what I'm saying. Like, can't it just be Super Bowl or bust all the time. Like, there are fun games. Like, what about Ben's final two games versus the the Browns and the Ravens. That was some of the most fun I had watching football games and for never for a second thought, oh, maybe the Steelers could take this and put this into a Super Bowl. And I know there are people who are out there who actually think that and it makes me mad and then I get mad at myself for being like, why would you care that these people are having fun? Like, what's wrong with you? So, just a note to anybody out there who's been too negative. I am working on it. But also, 
you know, don't be hardcore in your opinion if you can back it up with anything. I don't want to hear like, well, maybe just a miracle will happen. Okay, maybe, I guess. But you have to enjoy these storylines. And it's the Steelers are the, the – they take the, the, um, the family thing really seriously. It's hilarious. They got all these brothers. I actually love Connor Hayward. They've been showing his highlights for about a year or two. He does feel like a more explosive version of, of Derek Watt. Now, Derek Watt's more – I feel like he's just such a picture-perfect blocker in the hole, which is killer. But Connor Hayward is extremely violent, and I love seeing that in him. So I don't know how they're going to use them both. I think that there's a way they could. Uh, obviously, they're supposed to be special teams beasts, and, and those are two guys who could be like, well, that's top-tier special teams in the NFL. Uh, and you're, it's a six-round pick where I really think that's the kind of thing you have to do. Like, don't draft for need there. The odds of it working out are very, very close to 0%. And, that, again, that's where people talk about, like, Tom Brady, six-round pick. Like, let me just – you can very easily Google a spreadsheet of the amount of six-round picks, and once you look at that, you'll go, oh, once you put the names on there, right? So I think six round is for Presley Harvin, like punter, is for like, I don't really know how we're going to fit this guy, but like I'm pretty sure Connor Hayward's going to be a special teams menace, and he does have ability to catch short passes, which I know Canada's going to want to do. So it's not just a Cam Hayward thing. Like I kind of love the pick. He's a really interesting player, and he's a gadget guy, but he's strong as hell. So like you know he's going to be a special teams dude. Then we'll move on to... Round seven, we have two picks in round seven. The first one, this Mark Robinson, a linebacker from Old Miss. Literally, the NFL site has no information, no grade, no nothing other than he was the round seven pick for the Steelers. Yeah, I don't know anything about this guy whatsoever. You got, like, And for any of you listening right now that hope we can give you information on him, I love your enthusiasm for football. Uh, I did not look at this guy. I'm just going to categorize him as the yearly six-round Steelers inside linebacker who we hope pans out and every once in a while does, like Tyler Matakevich. But I don't know a single thing about this guy. And it's very hard to get excited about a guy called Mark Robinson. Mark Robinson sounds like he's a publisher for, like, uh, educational material. He had two years at Ole Miss, uh, Great. two senior years, nothing else recorded, no picture, no nothing. Jeez. But he did have 42 tackles and three sacks. So let's, as you say, hope the Steelers see something that nobody else does. I'm sorry, and Mark. I'll probably like it. you just on principle now that I feel bad. But great. The Steelers round out round seven They're 200, with the 241st pick. Chris Oladukin, quarterback from South Dakota State. They needed another quarterback because Mason's going to be gone. I don't know if they'll cut him or if they'll trade him for a seventh rounder or something like that. But they needed another quarterback. They need to have at least three guys. And you could wait till undrafted free agency to pick this guy up, or you can do a move that I support, which is it's a freaking seventh-round pick. These guys make the team like one out of every ten times. This is an important position when you're talking about bottom of the roster. Like, you need your third quarterback, your camp arm, so to speak, and maybe your diamond in the rough in terms of a third-string guy. Like, uh, which, which it's important to have a good third-string guy. I like that they took him. That's pretty cool. It's just because, you know, tragically, man, it makes you think of Dwayne Haskins. I mean, that's just so crazy. But uh, just the nature of the quarterbacks not being on the roster with the assumption that Mason won't be there. You needed another one. I like taking – uh, seventh round pick to use a flyer on a guy 
uh, to fill that role, not to become the next quarterback. Or this isn't a Kirk Cousins situation when they drafted RG three, but this is like, yo, we need a third stringer, so let's go get him right here. But don't you think we could have picked up somebody, you know, sort of off the street? And use that seventh. I guess it really doesn't matter. Who do, huh? who would, who do you, you want to use that seventh round pick on that you're? Yeah, you know, well, you, we're going to talk in a second about running back. You know, is there? I guess at seventh round, it doesn't really matter. These are these are useful tools during the camp or special teams. I guys think they anyway. saw enough guys who are going to be undrafted free agent running backs. Where like we're cool with four of these guys with the quarterbacks. We kind of really like this one dude, so let's grab him. They just want a nice athletic quarterback. Well, I think that the athletic quarterback helps, too, uh, because they want to move more towards that in general. But also, when yeah, when you say, like, I wish they took a running back, you're sort of implying that you think that that guy will be a contributor. Like, we need yeah, a running uh, back, so let's get one in the seventh round. It's like, well, that you're not, that's not what you're I getting in the seventh round. I withdraw my comments. It's all good. You can make more comments at ColorCast, which is a live, audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and easy to use. Talk to fans, athletes, podcasters, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for post-game breakdowns, debates, parties, and overreacting to breaking news, I'll say. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app for free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. All right, the Steelers agreed to terms with 10 rookie-free agents, and that does include a running back, as we were talking about. Yeah, a guy who has some pretty cool tape. What's his name again? He's an Oklahoma State guy. Uh, well, first of all, they have um, they have an uncle Jalen Warren, and but they also took uh, screen just blanked out. Got from yeah, I can't remember who he is, but I know that uh, maybe because Oren, Derek, and those guys have been posting some clips of him. It's like, oh, that's pretty encouraging. That's that's cool. So I I've I think I talked about defensive line and running back as my like sneaky needs for this year. So I am bummed that they didn't get that. Also, I guess it is shocking that they didn't get a cornerback is a really good cornerback class. And obviously you have to like what they did. In free, and maybe, shoot, maybe that does mean Joe Hayden will be in the fold. Uh, but in a really deep quarterback and edge class, they didn't take either one of those guys. And uh, surprising, but like I said, to me, after the fourth round, it's a little bit of a crapshoot. So you really just best, you go best player available at a position of somewhat need after that. So I understand why it didn't happen because – I, I really love the first three picks. I think that those guys are all critical uh, contributors. But in terms of getting some undrafted free agents, great. There was another story, Steelers-related story, I felt like was on the on the burner. But, yeah, I guess it's hard to, hard to focus now. Oh, Colbert's press conference. Did you see the press conference where he got choked up? It was pretty cool. Yeah, that guy doesn't show any emotion ever, and he's got the glorious Pittsburgh accent and – it was really touching with him and Tomlin sitting next to each other. And Tomlin was kind of like beaming. You could say like, man, that is sincere. The guy, the respect these guys have for each other, the appreciation in the moment of like, man, this is really cool that I got to work with this guy. We're tied at the hip. We had great success. And Colbert got choked up when he said, when I got here, we had four. And to add two is a significant thing in my life. And it's not over. I'm still going to be contributing in some way, but I just – that means a lot to me. It's not lost on me. And that was so cool because, once again, let's get back to the fun of football. It's like it's the human story about it. And Colbert's so likable. I, Brandon Hunt needs to adopt a heavy Pittsburgh accent. That's what I want. And if he does, 
We'll cover it for you here on the podcast. And we can do this podcast thanks to Sports Drink. Today's episode of Steelers Outpost is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They are here to help us grow. And rising tide lifts all boats. So go check them out online or on social. Sportsdrink.org or just go to Instagram or Twitter type in sports drink without the vowels. So that's at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. You had referenced Baltimore kind of racking up a great draft. They um, oh, So they got Kyle Hamilton, the first pick, the uh, their first pick, the safety out of Notre Dame, and Tyler Linderbaum, yep. who, yes, we both yep. would have appreciated getting him. I don't know why that couldn't have happened. But interestingly, yeah. before you dive into it, Kenny. they picked up a punter in the fourth round. They had four fourth-round picks, by the yeah. way. Five. Did Five, six. Yeah, Hold on. Crazy, right? They had six fourth-round picks. And out of them, they picked the uh, Penn State punter, Jordan Stout, who isn't even top of, the, top of the rack. Shout out little Stouty. Talked to him the other day. Um, there's, yeah, uh, the first rounders alone are unbelievable do you, can you look up their draft who they got in the second and third round because i remember they got they just got absolute stars all along the way they traded marquise brown which to me what a they got a first like what how how good is marquise brown what is he the is he the 20th best receiver like is he better than deontay johnson definitely not like what you got a first you got the guy for three years and now you're gonna get rid of him right and i understand that he has Lamar has no receivers to work with at the moment right now. But he took. they got maybe the only two guaranteed players in the whole draft. The se- generational safety. These guys always end up slipping past 10. You saw Minka and Derwin James completely delivered on their draft type, and they got drafted at 10 and 15 or 16 or whatever it was. Um, damn it. Damn it, damn it, damn it. It sucks. Fryermuth's going to have a tough time against the Ravens. Uh, from here on out, so he's going to have to get his yards against other teams. But Lindebaum, and and again, he's a small center, so because of his position, that's why he gets pushed back in the draft. Unbelievable picks by the Ravens, and it's I guess it's that perfect rivalry and then the Garrett bullcrap and how annoying the Browns fans are that have made me sort, and a lot of Steelers fans sort of turn on the Ravens in a, in a weird way of like, we kind of like you. We hate you. The rival, but the rivalry is not where it was. And we know that they're a mirror of the Steelers organization. And uh, their success justifies our beating of them uh, as, as successfully for more, you know. So they had an unbelievable draft. But we'll see if the Ravens can finally get the skill position players right for the first time in their life because it just seems like that's the problem they always yeah, have. Surprisingly, they did not pick up. Um, I don't know if you consider a tight end, but they got two tight ends in that fourth round. But no wide receiver. And they got a running back in the sixth round. So well, they got one of the best tight ends in the league too. So yeah, they're, yeah, they're, gonna, they're gonna run people over. So very interesting. I don't care about any of the other teams. Really fun Steelers draft. I can't remember a time like this. You know where you can turn around. You look at all the tweets where ESPN will tweet. I look at the Steelers skill position. They got the six pictures of the guys, and it's like, well, that's that's pretty cool. We got a quarterback who looks like a freaking quarterback. Thank goodness. I don't know what your issue is with the hair. It's spectacular. It's put, it's put together. Now, your issue with the hair needs to be Connor Hayward because Cam needs to talk to him. Look, dude, we got to taper on the sides a little bit. You're making your head look 
really gigantic. Okay, and I know you're an Ironhead descendant, but we gotta we gotta get that close cropped a little bit more. Maybe the Mahomes or the Odell sort of uh, Mohawk fro type of curly situation. It is not good right now. We're virgin on Sideshow Bob territory, so I'm sure Cam will get them cleaned up, just like someone got Cam cleaned up a couple years ago when we all realized, oh, crap, is Cam Hayward like a handsome guy? This is kind of amazing. Yeah, his brother's a little old Zach Banner-like with that unkempt. <laughs> yeah, they go, they go, it's a little, it's the hippy-dippy. It's carefree. I'm going to go hit somebody in the freaking mouth. I don't care about looking good, but you should. All right, good show. We know everybody has opinions about this, so hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.